hi, how are you? Welcome to the Raised by Wubs Fake Radio Show. It's your pal, Andrew. That's nice, isn't it? So nice. I got a show for you today. I got a guest. She's a friend of mine. Her name is Alexis. Alexis Angelucci. We talked about dreams. Oh, we talked about some dreams. She told me a couple. And uh, I'm so happy to share this with you. Alexis is just an all-around cool person and has a really unique take on the phenomenon of dreams. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people you talk to and they think about dreams as this kind of woo-woo thing, like it's uh, like they're oracles in your brain that somehow know the future or warning you of things to come or that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that's not the case. I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. But uh, that's not her approach. She looks at dreams uh, in a Jungian sense in that they are aspects of the psyche. It's your brain talking to you, burning sugar while you're sleeping, turning solar energy into calories, turning calories into weird ass moments that uh, you remember when you wake up. And she has been remembering these dreams of hers for quite some time and uh, just has a really beautiful knack for recounting those capturing what she remembers from her dream and she's going to share a couple of those with you uh, she and I and, and Glenn are now working on a collaboration that uh, will be coming soon so keep an eye out for that you can find it on the website I'll, I'll, I'll give you more details when the, when the time is right but yeah she um, she's just a wonderfully creative and special person and what she's about to present to you is um, hopefully one of of many great things to come from Alexis on this program. Uh, what else is going on? Boy, if you can do anything for the people of Morocco, my God, just tragic horror happening in Morocco right now with this earthquake. Yeah, reach out to somebody. Um, I've gotten a lot of uh, inquiry about Tiffany. She's fine. She's not actually in Morocco yet. She's in Spain and will be traveling to Morocco uh, soon but um, yeah she wasn't there for this very uh, very sad for all the horrible devastation that's gone on for the poor people of Marrakesh I'm uh, selfishly personally extremely relieved that my wife was not was not there yeah anyhow so that's happening Tiffany's fine having a good time out there in Spain with her friend. Uh, Bailey's good. I'm good. Life is good. Can't complain. There's an audio book coming for my book. It's called The Moron at the end of this book. There's a hardcover. I made a hardcover copy. Can you believe that? I don't know if that if this is a hardcover type of book, but if you want one, go to moronbook.com, moronbook.com, and uh, you can get one. Give it to a gift. Give it, give it to a gift. Give it to a friend as a gift. Give it to an enemy. Give it to yourself. Give it away. Put it in a lending library somewhere. Why not? All right. Here comes my pal Alexis. Alexis Angelucci talking to you about dreams. 
and why you should pay attention to them. Until next time, adios. <laughs> Buttless chaps to the bar mitzvah. Maybe I should. That is my favorite. Can I keep that in there? <laughs> it's the best warm up. It's from Anchorman, too. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a good one. That's a very good one. I'm, I'm a. The, the bishop wore buttless chaps to the bar mitzvah. The bishop wore buttless chaps to the bar mitzvah. Anchorman. Bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah, buddy. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thanks for coming over to my house and for being willing to talk to me and inspire me to think more about my own dreams. Um, I'm looking to you as a dream expert. And I know you probably would not say that about yourself. And I that's wouldn't. fair. It's fair. Do you think there is such a thing as a dream expert? Do they exist? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah. You know one? I feel lucky to, at this point in my life, know people who are extremely talented at interpreting dreams, but yeah, I think it's just maybe a level of knowing yourself and spending mm. enough time exploring that realm, um, yeah. but it's always such a subjective thing that yeah. it's kind of... Right. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, you're taking what Jungian classes? Is that? I was doing two Jungian dream classes, okay. and I've been seeing a Jungian analyst who lives in Denmark um, over Zoom for about a year now. Okay. Which, because I I had a dream a year ago that just kind of, I was like, <laughs> I really need to talk to somebody yeah. about my dreams. Um, and I just, so I, I picked, uh, I, I found a Jungian who's affordable and that's wow. been just so rewarding and amazing. And she's a total badass. And, um, and I just, I love it. I, I wish that I'd done it sooner. I've been writing my dreams down my whole life, almost my whole life. Yeah, your entire adult life for sure, right? Like, Since I was a kid. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, but it never felt, I don't know, there's just, I never felt like I was integrating them as much as I am right now. Right. If that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. I feel like people will scream at me if I don't ask you, and it's totally okay if you don't want to talk about it, but what was that, that dream that... That ran you into the arms of the analyst. <laughs> Can you share it? I would love... Are you ready for it? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I because you, you write these down. I know you're looking something up, so I'll This I'll was a really long dream. I'm happy to just go straight in. Hey, look, we're happy you're here. I'm, I'm thrilled that... Uh, I mean, Pele, look how excited Pele is that you're about Hi, to tell. Boy. Right now, I'll just describe for the listener. Pele is like staring at her, sniffing her. Is so enthralled with you being here. You're it's such great. A good boy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> good man. But um, yeah, I, I know it's it's tricky to talk about dreams, but you, I've talked to you a little bit about it, and you're quite good at 
describing what happened to you, and you make amazing notes. Like you write these beautiful narrations. Thank you. I'm your, glad you think so. Yeah. No, I do. Because there are people who consider the subject of dreams to be the most boring thing in the universe. I heartily disagree. Yeah, I don't know any of those people. Maybe I do. Good, good. We don't ever talk about good it. Good for you. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's never come up that dreams might be boring. Good. Because okay. there, that sentiment exists pretty... I mean, I, I notice it a lot in kind of movies and television and sure. just throughout my life. Um, it's it's I'd say kind of in the mainstream, it's not something that people value very much. Yeah. People get their skepticism tied up in cynicism and then they're dicks about things that are quite literally dreamy or otherworldly. They immediately write it off as woo-woo or boring or whatever, just not plausible, rather than looking at like what you do, the archetypes, the the broader reaching implications of why your brain would take you through this crazy exercise. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. And your dreams, I mean, I from what you've shared with me up to now, I don't blame you for being extremely curious about the why, you know, and then looking for some kind of anything that you could find in this. So Yeah, but even like boring dreams or kind of just not very even just the fact that we that that even happens at all is amazing why there's something when you sleep rather than just you know hours of absence of your consciousness yeah yeah it's incredible i mean that you you this whole movie this whole story that's like a poem is made for you every single night. Even many people don't remember their dreams, but the more you start, I just am a huge proponent of, of writing any little detail down. I've been remembering a lot for the past two weeks. For some reason at this time of the year, I just have every night. I just, I just seem to have more dreams and, or, and I remember them. Um, but, Last night, I just had one detail I that I remember was of a um, a Navy sailor in a white uniform, in, wearing one of those old, like yeah, wearing the, the hat. Yeah, all that's the only thing I remember. But even just that in itself is meaningful to me. Sure, especially considering I did like a I had a prompt um, for this class that I'm doing that incorporates songwriting and dreams. And so just that little, and I'll get into that later maybe, but just that context, it's, it's just a really beautiful symbol. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's just one thing that I could easily just be like, ah, that's not worth writing down. Um, because I don't, I don't really remember anything, but yeah. Anything you can remember to write down is sure. important. Yeah, I mean the sailor, the all white, you know, glowing sailor <laughs> it makes you think of the siren and the sea and all the the many things that are, you associate with sailors. You know, for me, I associated it with um, having it ha- being more disciplined. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and and kind of like running a little bit of a tighter ship, but I love, I love what you just said so much. <laughs> and that's actually perfect nice. too. Well, I could, I mean, obviously I could deal with tightening up the ship as well. So it's, <laughs> it's a good reminder for both of us maybe. So tell me, do you have this dream? Did you find it? I have it? this dream. Okay. It's quite long. So tell me when, when was this? 
This was August 18th at 6.30 in the morning of that's, last year. That's my mother's birthday and oh, my sister's a, birthday oh, cool. and Patrick Swayze and <laughs> Robert Redford. That's good. And I'm sure countless other people, but at least those four people I'm aware of. That's August really 18th. interesting. Cool. August 18th last year. And you date you so you write down the date I'm, and details I write of every down dream. Every single detail that I can remember. Okay. And this was a lot of because I made a voice memo mm-hmm. first thing when I woke up. Had I not done that, I would have and I and you the thing lost is so much, yeah. I I did I wrote down every little thing that I could remember and it's still I still forgot a lot. I can imagine. Yeah, as you're <laughs> saying it, you're forgetting things, you know, just Wow. So this is almost exactly a year ago that you mm-hmm. had this dream. Yeah. Right. I'm ready anytime you are. Okay. So I'm at a Victorian mansion or estate, a lot like the Robeson Harrington house, but much bigger and older. I meet up with B, that's a friend of mine, uh, who's with her sister, and they're both wearing red dresses with small, delicate floral print and sheer white veils and scarves in traditional Indian garb and look very beautiful. I was hurriedly eating Cheez-Its on my way there running late, and realized as I was hugging them hello while still chewing Cheez-Its just how inconsiderate and gross it is to greet people with Cheez-It breath and that I really needed to get myself together. There's some concert going on, and when B's mom arrives, we all move towards where they're to be seated, which is some honorary seating in the front row, which I know I'm not a part of, and so awkwardly slip away unnoticed. I didn't know why, but I had a pretty strong sense I would not be attending the concert at all when I noticed three attractive young people in their mid-twenties all walking towards me with subtle determination. It was a short blonde girl with two big tall guys with dark hair who look very cool, not too hipstery, and although they are rather intimidating, they're very friendly. They told me I was to come with them and didn't say or else, but I got the sense of it, which again, although they were very friendly and I didn't get bad vibes, their purpose and determination in finding me and taking me with them was intimidating. I couldn't help but be curious about what on earth they could possibly want with me. We retreat deeper into the old mansion, behind some curtains and down a long hallway with many rooms off to the sides. Once we get away from the small crowds of people and buzz of the performance about to start, they informed me a prominent member of some ancient hermetic society had sent them to retrieve me and give me a tattoo of the mark of the white scorpion. into a small room that was actually once a large closet where there was a checkup table like in a doctor's office. I'm excited about getting my tattoo and not nervous at all about the sanitary conditions or anything. 
One of the young men is clearly a tattoo artist as his arms are covered in beautiful tattoos. He seems like a very thoughtful, intelligent, and sweet person, and I trust him. He told me my tattoo would be done in several parts, and proceeded to begin by drawing a large Hebrew letter Yod on almost my entire left bicep, just above the bend of my inner forearm. A yod usually has two points, but this one had three and seemed to be a combination of the Sicilian trinacria. The three points were the scorpion stingers. Even though it was just the beginning of a simple line tattoo, he proceeds to completely fill it in. He said a lot of interesting things while tattooing me that I've forgotten, but I very much enjoyed talking to him. Filling in a tattoo like that would normally take at least two to three hours, but this was over and done in about 20 minutes. I part ways with them not knowing when I'll see them again for the rest of the tattoo, but just trust it will happen. I slowly walk back through the halls by myself to where the event is going on while looking at my arm. The tattoo had scabbed over very quickly into what is like a thick layer of fuzzy felt, a dark blackish red, dry but sticky matted blob and it's not pretty to look at in any way but i'm not too worried and still somewhat entranced by it as i look at it i notice there are living words that extend from the bottom point down onto my inner forearm at first it just seemed to be the word yod but spelled something like yihaod with the letters spelled stacked below each other it was a play on the words yod and yiha in classic tattoo, strip, tattoo script. However, as I stare at it, more words sprout from each letter off to the sides like branches of a tree, and they're all Greek and Latin words I don't know or recognize. I can only make out one, which is a very ancient and out-of-use variation of the word ouroboros. I don't know how I knew that, though. As I make my way back amongst other people, still looking at my arm and kind of reveling in the bizarre thing that had just happened to me, my arm is suddenly completely healed, and the yod tattoo is almost invisible. The dark blob is gone, and what is left is only a very ethereal, ethereally beautiful, almost white-pink outline with a luminous quality to it. Only the yod is visible, all the other words I saw would retreat back into the single letter Yod and only come out when gazed at in a certain way. The main part of the concert was over. <laughs> By the time I came back out from wandering through the hallways, but various festivities and other performances were happening. Outside, I sit down on the floor of a wooden deck next to an older woman who was a familiar acquaintance to watch the end of a short play, there are two women sitting in thrones, portraying ancient or mythological queens who were also watching a play. It was a play about two queens watching a play about two queens watching a play. <laughs> they are seated side saddle in their throne chairs with a pleased, serene look of amusement on their faces, looking somewhere off to their right in the distance. They are also wearing white and red. I get up to go somewhere else and later somehow end up finding and watching an old VHS tape of a very, very old man in some country like Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan or Tajikistan singing an old Irish love song in Irish Gaelic. He's wearing an Irish knit sweater with a felted embroidered vest 
and Kufi hat, there'd somehow been an Irish community that settled in his village hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, and they had preserved all of their traditions and songs that had been long ago lost and forgotten in Ireland itself. I am utterly besotted with the song and somehow managed to get lyrics and sheet music of it, which I can't wait to learn. If there's anything I wanted to do with my life, it was learn this song and teach it to everyone. It was an outstanding combination of a classic, hauntingly beautiful, and very distinctive Irish lilting melody, but the man sang it with the intonation and devotion of a muezzin doing the call to prayer. There was so much more, but I forgot the rest. And I woke up feeling like I had the tattoo and, and was so disappointed when it wasn't there. But yeah, that's a, that's a honker. so much in that Uh, there's two things i really want to know one i know you said you know you woke up and you're like what is this how am i gonna did you have your own interpretation of that and two the second thing i want to know is what was the analysis that give you something you could work with on that or yeah i mean part of it in the in the first person i spoke to about the dream the thing is, is that music shows up in so many of my dreams, which is something that I've come, I don't, it's not like my priority in life. It's not something that I, I do anymore at all, but it just keeps coming up in my dreams. So that's kind of that f- bit of feedback in the people I've spoken to about They're like, maybe you should just like try, sure. <laughs> like maybe just pick up a kazoo, anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but the, I think, I mean, there's so many little, there's so much in there that we could get into. What stood out to me was the old man in the country, wherever he was from, it was a place that I'll never be able to go to. That's kind of what stood out to me. And then he was dressed in so many cultures, right? Like the Irish thing going on and like a, like what was that? It's, it's like a, I don't know, but it's I really don't know, but it was like kind of a Muslim but tribal hat. Mm-hmm. But like his sweater was definitely like a traditionally knit. Yeah. Um, but he was wearing like tribal clothing of a part of the world that I find extremely interesting and appealing, but that I, but that I know absolutely nothing, nothing about, about. and right. and it's basically I think I'm pretty sure if you have an American passport. You can you never, go. you, you yeah. can't go there. You're not going to see it. Yeah. The, and, um, <laughs> it's just like mine on this Good gumby boy. toy. Normally like so, lays down and sleeps. I think he's very excited. I'm excited too. Good hey, boy. Take a break. Just take a break. Good man. <laughs> the, um, the thing, I mean, there's so many things in that, like the three people who came to get you, the white scorpion, the tattoo, like, so when you go to one of these analysts, they're taking you through the whole thing or are they just trying to... We like... have, yes. In one of the classes that we did, we went through the whole thing um, and she did an amazing job of bringing in kind of outside symbolism and from the Jungian perspective anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
what she said about like the the bl- young the short blonde girl and then the two tall men that kind of represents um like the a quaternity which uh-huh. is kind of like it's a sacred symbol i think of of wholeness um and anything in a dream where something is doubled up um i mean it means there's like extra emphasis on that than the trinity within the tattoo right, right. but i mean i don't know i don't yeah i don't yeah yeah <laughs> like i don't like the mark of the white scorpion yeah <laughs> so interesting and the way it was like healing but grossed you out but you couldn't stop looking at it, and it was it's still a alive. very it's a very alchemical dream yeah it was just like the word like the way you even describe it your your description after the fact that the the post hoc reckoning with what you just had is also like poetic and like beautifully described and shows your sensitivity to so many things, you know, like, you know, someone might've seen all those things and not described it in the way that you did. Cause you have an understanding. It just feels really important to me for some yeah. reason. Cause every little detail is important when it comes to a dream. And so I just feel like it's worth even if it gets boring or overwhelming, I just feel like capturing as much detail as possible is... I would... I mean, anyone that says that a dream would be boring, I challenge them to give a description of a movie they just watched that has a third of the poetic weight of what you just read to me. You know what I mean? Like, you can, I know plenty of people who just they just watched a show or a movie or a thing, and they were like, hey, will you describe that to me? And we're like... Oh uh, yeah, there was this lady, and she was, you know, she lost her job, and you know, like. It, but it, it that's what's cool about it, is it is so similar. I mean, I would personally rather talk to somebody about their dream yeah. or like than than a show or a th- absolutely. Yeah. But there is a part of of you know, like what Jung called the collective, mm-hmm. um, where what used to be like our mythology in a way that's a part of like a collective dream and right. And and even our own personal dreams sure. dip into that in various levels. Didn't that didn't Joseph Campbell say something similar? Like, I, uh, how does it go? Like, your our myths are our dreams shared publicly, and mm-hmm. our our dreams are our myths internalized. Or exactly. Some, something kind of yeah. Like that. I I don't know exactly what right. he said, but he said it way better yes. than that. But, you know, <laughs> I, so, how do you feel? I mean, I can I can already see one practical application of that dream is that led you to seek someone who knows a lot about dreams. Like that's a pretty practical thing you did with it. But uh, with the interpretation that they gave you of that dream, what do you feel like you've, what did you get from that? And I know it's not everything's like a tit for tat. You get something, give something. It's not, but I, I do feel like, first of all, just paying attention to your dreams, whether it makes you like more of a whole person. Like if you're not, yeah. Paying attention to that part of your like you're just you're missing out on like a whole half of yourself, yeah, I mean, which yeah. is a which is sad which is so sad it's a bummer, um because it's like there's just so much going on right, <laughs> uh, but I think what I did I I sought out somebody to talk to about my dreams, mm-hmm. and um, so I stopped writing down. I've been writing my dreams down almost my whole life, but I stopped doing that and started making voice memos in 2018. 
that's kind of when I stopped writing them down. And but it's which is great to do, but it's not as great because you can't like open up a book and look right. back on them. They're kind of like all stored inside there. Yeah. Um, so you've been transcribing them. So I trans I transcribed right. all of them, and some of them were like fully formed songs. So oh, wow. after I transcribed all the dreams. It's. I, I decided to try to record just some of the songs that came fully formed in the dreams. Um, and that, by doing that, like, I think when I first spoke to you about, you know, I, I, the, I, my, I wasn't proud of what I did because it's like, I'm so rusty. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm a pretty critical person. But like, when it comes to music, like, I have a hard time expressing myself the way that I want to, sure. just not there yet. But it's less intimidating to transcribe something from a dream as, as revealing as dreams are about a person and like their inner life. It's also something else. And a yeah. lot of these songs that came, like, are not anything like I would, you know, the first one I tried to do was a ballad called Rosalie, which had a sound like it was from, you know, the 17 or 1800s. And, um, and so I just kind of did that very simple. I've only recorded one hand on a harpsichord. Wow. And it's just, it's not like the kind of song that I would write. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't sit down and work hard to write that. <clears throat> no, I wouldn't. But you would interpret it's, it if it showed up for you. Yes, absolutely. But so I, I managed to capture that just from like a crappy voice memo of just kind of barely capturing the melody as it slipped away, but I got it. Wow. Um, and then the second one I tried was actually just a little bit of lyrics and a melody. And, and I only remembered a few lines, but I tried to just record that exactly the way I heard it. No artistic liberties. And so when I did that, that night or early the next morning, I had, you know, just a really great dream about the Siberian dreaming links. That was like when I, <laughs> wow. which was like, sometimes you just have dreams that are like, that was just a dream that felt like such an amazing gift. Yeah. Um, and so it felt to me kind of like confirmation that like by valuing and respecting my psyche and interacting with it, it was, it totally was like, here you go. <laughs> Take this. <laughs> yeah. It was, that's it a, just. It's a great way to look at it, that you're, you're valuing and paying attention to your psyche in that way. I think you and I've talked about like why I'm so interested in, why I like taking mugwort and like enhancing my dreams, almost taking like dream drugs or whatever. It's not quite, I'm a, quite that, but I'm a, you know. I'm a fan Go for it. Right. I, I just I just ordered some myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just well, ordered. Like um, you know, we talked about the the sleep is a, a like a third of your life. Mm -hmm. And that which is a good thing. It's not like you need to whittle that down. If anything, a third is just barely enough, you know. Um, but to come away with that from that with a memory is like getting a chunk of that third back. Because that's all you are the rest of your life is life is a series of memories. Yeah. And that that you remember so much of your Dreaming life is a third, a piece of that third that you're taking back. Plus, like, I don't know that everyone reflects that thoroughly on their waking life. Right. You know, I mean, you, I, I get the sense that you probably do, you know, that you're reflecting on your waking life with the same intensity that you do your dreaming life. Am I, or is it just a different I thing? I mean, I think it does 
go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, like, you know, I don't keep a regular journal about my life. So just, just the dreams. Just my dreams. Because if I go back and, and read about like a, a journal, just a day of my, I'm just like, oh. There's no dream it's links. So, it's There's so those. painful. It's just like, I just like, oh God, I hate myself. Like, oh. why did I, you know, like, it's just like, oh. <laughs> but I don't feel that. I don't have, you don't have any that, judgment yeah. about my dreams. Yeah, it's so interesting because like, I was wondering, like, when you were reading this back to me, I was, you, know, you were saying that in your songs, like, you wouldn't sit down to write a song like that, but you give yourself a lot of, um, you're just totally creatively off the hook for it showing up in you and you're just a you're just like a tape you wouldn't judge your this re- computer for recording our conversation no this is just one-to-one and so you don't judge yourself for the stuff that you come up with in dreams whereas if you're writing a song or if you write a piece of prose yeah. or something that you're thinking about very critical of, very very critical of myself so interesting so when you write do you do, you, do you, i feel like you write huh not, not really not huh? really i would like to but mm-hmm. But occasionally something will come over me. Usually yeah. if I'm annoyed about something, yeah. I'll write about it. <laughs> but it would be a different <laughs> style, it. I would imagine, than what you write yeah, when you're absolutely. interpreting your dreams. It's not... Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting to me. I, you've inspired me. Like I wake up in the morning and Tiffany will even ask me, so what did you dream about? You know, awesome. And I've been telling her, um, you know, just making... So that, to help me remember it, to say it out loud. But in the telling, as I'm telling, I'm forgetting things. Yeah. I mean, the second you wake up, it's it's like a ticking clock yep. of forgetting. Yeah. And it's a it's a weird nonlinear thing. You're trying to think of all the crazy things that just happened to you all at once, so that you can remember as much of it as you can. But it's just, I mean, it's like like water through a sieve, man. It's just running. Absolutely. I mean, how do you? You've worked on this, like you've you've made a practice of it. What? Where does someone start if they're trying to? Um, trying to i guess make the holes in their sieve a little smaller well a lot of people say things like you know taking b12 helps you remember and you know that's true and i've been doing that but also just before you go to bed like really be like okay i'm gonna remember my dreams and putting and you know if you have somebody to tell your dreams to Mm -hmm. who wants to hear them first thing in the like that's great I, i mean just I think that first telling and having a witness is something but I do think that writing it down is key like putting it really is it's so simple and so many people have resistance towards this even people I know who have like really great dreams I'm like oh you got to write that down they're like no I don't need to or they're just like I and of course I totally understand it that it can be hard to find the time but it's it's not that complicated, and I mean, if you if you can write, yeah, or even just make a voice memo, yeah. just make a voice memo, and then listen to it later, and and you'll be, it'll come, it'll start coming back. Occasionally, very rarely, Tiffany will tell me one of her dreams, and I love it. Like I'm, I, I look forward to those mornings when she shares something with me because, like, I like that weird shit, you know. <laughs> and our dreams are so very different from one another i mean everybody's dreams are different from one another but like almost thematically and structurally we have these very different styles of dreaming which is i mean it stands to reason we have different styles of everything you know? of course but i love i love getting that download first thing in the morning when she's like i had this crazy dream 
And it was this, this, and this. It's like, wow, that's cool. You I know? think it, it just brings like so much more juice and meaning and. Or just anything. To life. I mean, yeah. I. Yeah. So you're in these classes now. Are you still? Are They're they both done? over. They're I'm both still over. seeing my Jungian analysts, but yeah. unfortunately, both of those classes have ended. Now tell me, um, can you talk about what those classes were like? I mean, when, when you say Jungian dream, like why, why do people look to Jung for dream analysis? That's a good question. I guess he, I'm not an expert Mm -hmm. on things Jungian. I like the, I noticed that I've liked the approach that Jungians take to dreams. And it's usually um, always like a, you know, like a mind blowing experience. I mean, obviously, I think Freud was the one who kind of brought dreams into mainstream sites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but kind of in a medical way. Um, And then he and Jung had a falling out. Um, I think over Jung kind of came up with the idea of the collective unconscious and maybe that I'm, I'm really going to butcher this and not do it justice at all. Um, but that dreams go beyond just, you know, sexual sex stuff and, uh, (laughs) things that happened as infants and, you know, (laughs) which definitely is a a thing, but it's, it's not all of it. Right. It's not the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I don't know. I I really, I love the idea of dreaming. I love what I take back from it. I like the experience, even when it's a little scary or sad. Yeah. No, and I've, heard a lot of people talk about um anytime i see something that's a discussion of dreams or somebody you know analyzing them or talking about the physiology of sleep and what happens to you while you're sleeping i'm fascinated by it because it's like it's so crucial to the rest of your life and and to itself you know what i mean like it's one of those those things that as it's happening there's got to be a function absolutely and and, and, i mean i I see pele dream yep I've seen uh, cats dream. I've seen lots of little creatures dreaming. Yep. And I think they've been able to, scientists have studied it in a number of creatures. So it's this essential element of, you know, of of an essential element, which is rest. You know, the body at this like resting phase that it has to have or it'll die, you know. Yeah. Uh, And it's, I wonder, like, you know, the people say they don't dream. They do. It's, it must be, right? Yeah. I think it's just got to be happening in there. It's just a matter of recall. I'm just, I'm absolutely floored by it. And uh, even when it's sad, you know, like I have these dreams where I wake up and my throat is like kind of hurting, like I've been crying. Mm. But I don't think you're actually going through, I don't think your body really does too much while you're dreaming, unless you're having one of those like. I think it does. I think, I mean, I don't know what the, I'm. I the science is interesting, I'm glad people are doing it, but that's not my not forte at all. But sure. I, I do remember hearing that like your body processes dream like as if they yeah, are actually happening. happening. Yeah, I'm. I mean, you know, there was always that thing when you were a kid, like, oh god, don't, don't die in your, don't let yourself die in your dreams. You'll just be dead. You know, 
Do you remember that? Like, <laughs> no, I oh don't. I, I just, I just, it was like one of those things where, you know, somebody slaps your back while you're making a weird face. Right, and you're stuck like that forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember hearing like, oh yeah, if you die in your dream. And that was the whole premise of like Freddy Krueger, all the like nightmare stuff, you know. But that, that, that there are such things as nightmares, that those exist and they're real and like so scary. Yeah. Like scarier than than any movie or any story someone else can tell you. No doubt. You know, that you, you actually feel that visceral fear and you wake up in that sense of relief that it was just a dream. Absolutely. Like I've had those dreams where I've like run over a child or, Ugh, or committed yeah. some crime on accident. Yeah. You know, like, and you're so scared and nervous and like, yeah. oh my God, I've just fucked up my whole life. And then you're like, wake up, you're like, thank <laughs> God. Gee, little Buddha, everybody, all yeah. of you, you know, thank you, <laughs> whoever's in charge. Thank. Yep. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, I just had a dream that I, I was in Australia and I lost my phone in the ocean. And, the, <laughs> and then, I mean, it's not that bad, but it right. was like, it was I something. did wake up and feel a lot of relief that like that hadn't ap- actually happened. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yes. Yeah. I had a dream last night. Um, well, it was really like, it's funny because Tiffany gets up at like 4 a.m. And I'll kind of be slightly aware that I go sometimes back to sleep. And that's when I have a lot of my dreams. Mm-hmm. I'll experience them in the hour that she's down here working out. And then she comes back up and I wake up and I'm like, hey, okay. So I just had this. <laughs> and I tell her everything. But this morning I had one. And the only details I really have of it now is that I was in traffic and driving. And I'd just seen my father who's dead. And um, he saw me like we were, he was turning. He looked right in my eyes and it didn't wave or do anything. He just turned and kept going. So like I tried to follow him and then I, you know, he lost him in traffic and I was telling someone about that having happened Wow! and they were making excuses. Well, maybe he didn't see you, didn't recognize you. To, you know, he was blind in one eye, was it, you know, mm. and all this stuff. And I, I just remember feeling like kind of hurt mm. and, you know, when, as in the dream, then I woke up relieved that I didn't, you know, it's like, oh, he's dead. He didn't, that didn't happen, you know, Right. but I, I woke up relieved of that hurt this morning. Right. So it was like kind of nice to be able to like share that with Tiffany. Like, Hey, I just had this dream about my dad and all I really remember is we were in traffic and he drove past me. Yeah. But, you know, but the, the thing I remember about it that mattered is that you can wake up relieved You know, that, for that to be your <laughs> first sure. encounter with the day. Like you sure. haven't done shit. <laughs> you have not stepped on the floor, but you're immediately relieved. Yeah. It's like a kind of sweet, <laughs> weird gift. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's like, it's either the most neurotic thing ever <laughs> or some sort of blissful gift. I don't know. but I don't know either. And I think there's a part of me that wants to, you know, try and interpret and that has been obsessed with like wanting to interpret things mm-hmm. and being like, but what does this mean? But I'm right. kind of at a point where it's like, I just think the imagery in itself is it's pl- it's, it's plenty. plenty sure yeah yeah I, I and, don't know and just talking just just telling just talking about it yeah and exploring and considering your own psyche you know that, yeah like that whatever was going on in your mind to give you the the conundrum of the white scorpion <laughs> or whatever you know like, to take you on that weird journey at this concert and all those things you know, if you, it doesn't matter if you come away with an answer. You know that that idea that like asking unanswerable questions mm. is how you find out other things that you weren't asking about. Yeah. You know, like 
you know, that silly putty came up as an accident or that, you know, various things were discovered while looking for something else right. and asking unanswerable questions about dreams. Yeah. You may not know why you got a three-prong scorpion tattoo on your arm, but in that discovery period, you might find other things about yourself that, oh yeah, I really do want to do something with music, you know, or like, yeah. and I can... F- I can forgive myself for the music I make so long as I dreamt it. Like, that's a pretty fucking great discovery totally. to make. And so it makes kind of the why or what does it mean of the rest of it. Not like it's immaterial or not interesting, but it's not the whole thing. It's not the whole story. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm such like a fan of story. And, you know, like I was explaining to my, uh, I've got a barber that I like to go to. And he's this really sweet guy. And uh, he was telling me about wanting to write a children's book. I was like, oh, man, what's your idea? He's like, I don't have one. I said, well, wait. <laughs> you know, he just has a friend who illustrates and he's always wanted. So we were talking about the idea of story. And I was explaining to him, to the best of my ability, about the, you know, the hero's journey, like the circle. The, the, you start here, tr- you know, you leave your home, you travels, tra- travails, you know, you slay the dragon, come back home with new eyes, all the things that you encounter in the meantime. And I was like, it's every story you've ever thought of. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, give me a story. And he told me about Die Hard, you know? <laughs> okay, Die die Hard. That is the same story, right? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, uh, and I, the way I explained it, it's like, it's kind of the same as Jesus Christ. You know, he went through all this same shit. And then at the end, you know, he's, he's the hero. He's the guy. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so we, we, anyway, this is a long way of talking about like, the idea of story and us taking these circular journeys with our heroes is the collective thing that we all do with stories. Yeah. Everybody kind of takes their their characters through these different archetypes and stuff. But the dream story, the dream story just takes that, you know, you may have gotten a complete song, but I don't, I wonder if you have any complete stories where there's a whole narrative journey that has a beginning, middle and end with like a, they, a they- circle do tend to they often have really? a beginning a middle and an end yeah that make, but that make that that sense as like a narrative arc Boy, that's definitely incredible but you you have to remember mm. all of it that's oh yeah the, yeah <laughs> which often doesn't <laughs> yeah, happen I'm just catching snippets so maybe i'm missing the whole narrative arc yeah because it seems like you know I, I, I got the impression that a lot of times dreams could buck that you know they could just they throw can. off that that shackle of our innate need for complete stories and the way we tell them, you know, because they're a lot of times they're non sequitur. They're they're almost like madness. They can be, yeah, absolutely. But I, I certainly, I mean, some of my dreams—they're just so hyperactive and chaotic, and <sighs> and it doesn't seem like there's any. But again, like you know, like the dream that I read. It may not seem like it has it, but again, it's like it starts with my friend and her sister mm-hmm. who are wearing red and white. Right. And then it, that shows up again in the queens sitting in their thrones mm-hmm. wearing red and white. I, so it's like they sure, they repeat themselves. Like there yeah. is some kind of an essence mm-hmm. or a theme that mm-hmm. encapsulates like everything that, sh- but it's just repeat. The, a dream is just like often just one thing repeating 
repeating itself in in a yeah. whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, same same snake in different skins. Type yeah, of thing. yeah. It's it is funny. Like the like I've heard you talk a little bit about the importance of animals and dreams, and that they mean you know they have special. Anytime you see an animal in a dream, you're supposed to really pay attention. I think you and I talked about a dream that I had as a kid. It was the only reoccurring dream that I could really remember. And uh, I was in my childhood home, and I had this for years, even after we moved away from there, where I would be looking out our back door, and there was this old dead tree and uh, and a moose, this huge moose. And I lived in Mississippi where there are no moose, no, not plural, not singular, not probably not even in a zoo. (laughs) There are no moose. And uh, I would be so scared, you know, just terrified of this moose and trying to shut the door. And just at the last second when I got it shut, I'd look up and it was right there in the window, <laughs> just this huge, long snout, these big things. And it would scare me awake every time. I mean, every time I would I would wake up at that point, you know. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know to, to try to pay attention to the symbolism of a moose in that moment, you know, to take that to an, anal- an analyst who was like, who has an understanding of what these things have meant to people over time, you know, the value in that, where, where do you feel like that lands? Like the, the value of having a dream like that analyzed by somebody who really I knows their stuff. I think it's ex- extremely valuable. I, I don't know, how, but I mean, and that's like, I didn't, you know, especially scary dreams, like the psyche is trying, it's trying to tell you something. It's working really, really hard yeah. to get your attention. Mm-hmm. It just wants your attention. Yeah. Um. So, s- still, I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't, it, I, it's I, so can, I was, yeah. I think, especially the moose. I, I just consider that to be such a powerful animal. It's not one that I would immediately associate with being afraid of. And but just the right. way that you describe it, seeing it in the distance and, and then, then it's suddenly, right there at the door. Yeah, like, <laughs> somatic, yeah, cinematically terrifying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny because like um, when you think about something scary or uh, – you know, that you're trying, maybe something trying to get your attention or really spooking you into a thing. It's like, I wonder, like, I feel even as a kid, I was pretty into an inner world. I had an imaginary colony instead of imaginary friends. My imaginary friends were this colony of beings. And I've, I've spent a lot of time internally. And I wonder if my psyche might have been telling me, hey, can you just leave us alone? Or like, we've got shit to do down here. Can you just fuck off from the door? Okay. Just quit peeking out here. We're, we're doing something you'll know when it's done. I wonder. I mean, I, I'm certain there's got to be a smart ass living in me somewhere. You know, maybe the... I think definitely the, the psyche, of my psyche has an amazing sense of humor. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's an interesting one to ponder. But yeah. I mean, how old were you? I think I was like three or four the wow. first time I remember having it. And it would, um, I had it until I was maybe like 10. I would wow. just, everyone, it was real rare. It wasn't all the time, you know, but if I were going to have and a dream. And you never encountered a moose. Like no, in... I didn't see a moose in person until like a few years ago in Alaska. You know? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, I wasn't like a big Rocky and Bullwinkle fan. You know, it's sure. great. You know, yeah. Bullwinkle's great, but it, you know, it wasn't like I had a lot of moose imagery in my life that I'm aware of. Maybe, maybe I'm secretly Alaskan and I didn't know it, but maybe but, it's an ancestral thing or you, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's so strange. You know? Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel like giving me another dream? Do you have another one that, cause I've, you had me read one out loud when we were at dinner the last I time. I have but, so many dreams. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot with one, but. But um, since we're talking about him, here, I started something, I started doing something just for the first time in my life in July. I started giving my dreams titles. Nice. Um, so. No, I want you to read it. I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> no, I'm just saying like the last time we hung out, you had me read one, which I was, I, I thought it was like. Probably one of the most interesting things I've ever read out loud. Oh, you know, because like I get these, I'm, I'm you know doing this voiceover stuff. And I'm narrating all these things that are like, you know, some sort of corporate message or some sort of right. you know, not necessarily just ads, but like whatever. It's not. It's certainly not as soulful as a dream. Well, this I this dream, I I for, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was from June twenty eighth of okay. this year. And you titled it. But I, it's just called the, it was the first, it's the, after, this is the first dream I gave a title, the nice. Siberian Dreaming Links. Oh, sweet. I'm so glad you're going to tell me this one. Um, but I, I would think about it. It was five o'clock in the morning when I made the voice memo and it was the night after I just tried to, I spent that night attempting to record. I did drums, bass and keyboards and vocals for a song that I just, it was just a little tidbit. At the end of a dream, in the middle of the night, with with and... some lyrics that I I managed to catch the tail end of, and I just decided to try and record it, and then I had this dream, and um, I don't know if it is excite if it is that interesting to listen to or hear, but it was one of those dreams that just had a f the feeling about it was yeah. like I it would make me tear up thinking about it for wow. days and days afterwards because wow. I just felt so lucky, like I it just yeah. felt like. It was one of those dreams. I mean, obviously, I really like you and think you're cool, but I'm kind of liking you more by the <laughs> sentence as you describe your reaction to these dreams. It's just so, it's like uh, extremely inspiring. So please carry on. I'm okay. Ready. All right. So here's Siberian Dreaming Links. I'm house-sitting for my mom, but the house isn't anything like her house in real life, and I don't recognize the city or town I'm in either. The indoor walls are painted a strange shade of light, bright, pastel aqua blue, and the house is very minimal and sparse of belongings. Just a cream-colored sofa, basic floor lamp and TV, and cream-colored carpet. It's starkly clean, but a little comfortable despite being so barren. Of course, all the windows are covered with large white shutters in the way that my mom typically always covers all windows with white shutters. One of the shutters is missing a panel near the front door, and I notice a slight feeling of paranoia from knowing someone could peek in and look at me through there, but recognize that feeling is my mom's and not my own. Later on, during late morning, early afternoon, I go out to the front door and start sweeping the wooden deck. I notice a middle-aged woman in the driveway below looking at something. 
She's wearing sunglasses, a navy baseball hat, with her long, shiny brown straight hair and a ponytail, and a navy puffy vest with a magenta long sleeve shirt and khaki pants. Exceptionally practical and suburban looking. I see she's walking her dog, which is a really cute bulldog, so I emphatically greet him and see there's another small dog as well. I notice they're all very intently and nosily looking at something suspicious in the driveway that's just out of my view, below the wooden deck, so I go down the stairs to see what it is. Someone has left a huge taxidermied animal there, and it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I didn't know what to expect I would see, but I definitely wasn't expecting to see that, and it takes me a minute to even register what it is I'm looking at. I know right away it's something very special, so I quickly wrap my arms around its waist and carry it up the stairs to get away from the street. Even though it's very large, two or three times bigger than me, it's lightweight and I'm able to carry it by myself. I say goodbye to the woman and her dogs and quickly go into the house and shut the door behind me. I place the animal in the living room and start circling it. It's a giant Siberian lynx. If it were to stand up, it would be it would almost be as large as a horse. It's posed in a way where it's lying down on all fours with its head regally perked up, but looks as though it's about to pounce forward at any moment. Attached to its back is a leather and tapestry saddle, not with straps or anything, but just stuck right on the back, almost like it's a part of the animal. I know what I'm looking at is very, very old. I can't believe my luck. I know somehow this lynx was preserved in permafrost for at least three to 6,000 years, maybe more, and only briefly do I begin thinking about and worrying that it might start deteriorating very rapidly and that it probably should be in its own special museum nearby where it came from. But I don't worry too long because I know the Siberian dreaming lynx was left there especially for me and for a reason. The lynx has its eyes closed and really seems like it's only sleeping. I look closer at the saddle, the bordering edges and small handpiece meant to hold on to are made of very fine brown leather, but all of the middle and the rest of it is a faded white background tapestry. In great contrast, on top of the white is a very colorful scene of men and women in magnificent royal clothing who are in the midst of dancing with being chased by or chasing various kinds of wild animals. There are also some flowers and plants and interwoven geometric designs. It's truly beautiful and I have the feeling that if I were to mount it, the lynx would immediately come back to life and take me to a magical spirit realm, which I wasn't ready to go to yet. I'm completely enlivened by this gift and wake up from my excitement. I think about how I must write down the dream so I don't forget, but briefly fall back asleep instead. More happens, but it wasn't very exciting and I don't remember what it was. I wake up again and start writing it down. I have the sense the lynx's name is something like Chojorinpa. It, it's now an extinct word that was once given as an affectionate title of respect. <laughs>
Amazingly, I, re I remember this. I remember a great deal of the details of you sharing this dream with me. And the fact that you're in this magical realm of your dream and you don't want to go a layer deeper is like, <laughs> I, I know that feeling. And it's, it brings me to something I wanted to talk to you about anyway. I don't want to get too far away from this dream, but I want to talk to you because I know you've had, um, you've had a lot of psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you've very intentionally, not just like party psychedelics, but like you're a seeker and mm -hmm. you want to know things about yourself, about your psyche, and you've used that tool to help explore. And the similarities between what you describe in your natural dreaming state, but the similarities between that and like what I've experienced in like a salvia state, mm -hmm. you know, and, and various psychedelic states is so very similar the way I would describe it after the fact. Yeah. Do you live in that? Do you feel like maybe one helped you explore the other? Like your your time and I dreams? No, because I've ever since I was a kid, I mean here this is the this is the first dream that I ever I as a kid, this is the first dream I ever recorded, technically. <laughs> Do you want me to read this? If you like, sure. <laughs> All right, so it's called there. You. This is from my first grade class journal. In first grade, there's there's a drawing on here, red with fish, like red scribbles with like fish shapes almost <laughs> in it, and then blue scribbles with people, possibly more fish animal shapes, and you write, oh my god, this is so good. I was in bed one night and I had a bad dream. Your handwriting's fantastic, by the way. <laughs> this was in first grade. That's the teacher's handwriting. Oh, okay, okay. But to say I'm a grown ass man in my handwriting. She isn't... didn't do it because it really and it really wasn't a bad dream. Maybe just because I wrote it down. I remember so much about that dream and nothing wow. that was written down there captures it at all. But Oh my god. Half my, I dreamed that half my swimming pool was bloody and the other half of the swimming pool was good. The bloody one had had <laughs> dead fish in it there were some bones in the other swimming pool there were some people and fish I, what does it say i could go i could go under the swimming pool you could go under the swimming pool what i meant was i could swim in the and and the, that one was like it was a tropical it was like a coral reef whoa in a uh, pool in the pool it was a tropical coral reef wow um, and the other one was more like bubbling lava that I think was kind of influenced by watching the opening scene of Fantasia yeah. with all the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I meant was if had one influenced the other, like your ability to navigate the psychedelic state, I would imagine, is a result of you being so conversant and dreaming. Well, maybe because I do feel like whenever, I mean, particularly with ent entheogens, with kind of natural psychedelics it does feel like bringing in like like the you're in the dream world mm -hmm. it's like like whatever the barrier is between like the waking yeah. state and the dream world is in. dissolved right and then and you're just you're there mm -hmm. in that um and they do because they do open you up to the world of the sure. psyche i mean essentially that is what's happening yeah um yeah there's no real information in a mushroom necessarily that isn't already in your brain it's not like you're eating something that knows something about you that you don't it's eating something that will give you access to those things to the you, things that you don't ordinarily have yeah 
which does happen every night in your dreams. Yeah. Um, and so you encountering this links and all this like very visually, I mean, the cream, the shutters, your mom, even like there's like a hint of judgment in your mom's <laughs> sense of taste. My mom does that. My mom covers all windows with white shutters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny that like that shows up in your dream as like you're, you, you maintain that even though you're in this like incredibly suddenly mystical thing with this but the thing like i'm not i i've tried really hard to have lucid dreams which you know is where you wake up in the dream and you're aware that you're dreaming and i've i've only managed to do that twice and i just get too excited and then i wake up up, i'm not somebody the thing that's amazing about dreams is that you don't have any control over what's happening it's it's completely like it's made for it's like yeah, it's happening it's, to you it's a yeah yeah it's and like you, the rest of life you you feel like you might have some agency right. over like your choices but it's happening know, reality is unfolding right. before you right. with, whether you want it to or not yeah you know yeah so yeah i don't i don't know i think i think maybe i do have a certain level of comfortability in exploring that realm mm-hmm. or maybe just because of my my natural curiosity for it, yeah, maybe that's why you have like a but a gentle courage about it. It seems maybe. you know what I mean that you you approach it with like a an openness and a, um, but I mean that that you wouldn't get on the back of the thing and go is wise. You know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> it's not a lack of courage to be like, okay, I don't want to go to this realm yet because. I've got a realm. I want to go to that realm. I I did and I do, but I definitely felt in the moment I'm not ready to do that. Yeah, and that you know, there's plenty in your current realm. There's a lot. (laughs) I I, I talked to a friend of mine recently, a guy I hadn't talked to in 20 plus years, who was talking to me about being in recovery. He's uh, almost 10 years sober, and he said, "You know, man, I spent so much time looking for meaning in things." Mm-hmm. You know, I was always trying to escape to a, a more meaningful place, whether it was with psychedelics or alcohol or, you know, many, many other things that really cause a lot of trouble in his life, his ability yeah. to handle it. Um, you know, and it's not that he has judgment on those compounds, which I think is smart. You know, he just, okay. he understands himself. And he's like, look, I was just looking for something that I wasn't going to find there. Yeah. And he realized where it is. He's like, oh, it's actually, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. You know, what's the Taoist thing? As you walk these streets, you walk the streets of heaven. There's something poetic about that, too, that you have a realm. You're like, why do we want to go to Mars? Or like, we're on the planet Earth. It's great. There's trees and I can swim. And whether or not there's blood in the water, it's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah we are. It's all part a, of it. Yeah, it's all part of it. Well, when it, what's funny is when I saw that fo- that little picture that you drew, was a little kid, a friend of mine um, who's a, a diver, has done a lot of like, deep, deep diving. He went on a cenote dive. You know what the cenotes are yeah, in Mexico? And the, yeah. Yeah. So he did like a, you know, like scuba thing and he went way, 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 way deep. And he said, wow. he described to me this thing where like, it's so funny that you, that you're, that you'll see, you reach this cloud and there they tell you beforehand, okay, when you hit this cloud, don't breathe because it's like poisonous gases from all wow. the stuff. It's so deep. It like just compresses. He said, anything that swims in here dies. So you turn off your thing, you take a big deep breath, turn off, swim through it. And when you get through, you'll know because everything is red. Because the only light that can come through is red light. By that point, it's all filtered out. You know, there's just no, so you're in this red realm 
this is living real life. He's in a cenote. So Goes through cool. a poisonous cloud and below. He said that that what used to be the top of the cenote was all obviously at the bottom. And there was a petrified tree. This like dead, what? crazy, huge tree petrified at the bottom. And it's all red and black. And there's just fish bones. The entire bottom of the sea of this. That's my dream. Right, yeah, it's your dream. There's like bones and dead fish wow, and like anything so that hits cool. this cloud. But he was in this, you know, hermetically sealed suit so he could be in that environment. And wow. Like experience this world super, super deep. That takes that takes courage. Yeah, right? A- <laughs> yeah, he's a really hip guy. Uh, and it, his description of it was quite beautiful. And that's, to me, like, you know, we look for these other realms to be in. And they're great. I'd like to visit them as well. But it reminds me to be like... It's also... <laughs> It's in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're in it. You're you're here now. Yeah. And what a great thing to be in a realm from which you can travel to others. Yeah. You know, and one that invites you back with such sweet promise and slight menace. But you know, you're you know, maybe not so slight. God, there's this nightmare yeah. <laughs> shit happening at all times. Yeah. But yeah, we are in we're in it. You know, we're there. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Just being a human being in the world is fucking incredible. Yeah. I uh, I really want this this examination of the psyche and paying attention to yourself in this way to make yourself more complete is, I get the sense from you because you are very kind and you're very, um, both Tiffany and I noticed, you're just like a, a warm and compassionate person. And I think a lot of times people look for these uh, these things to make themselves better for the sake of being better. Mm. And I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you're bettering yourself for the sake of others. Like you want to be better at being with others. I mean, did I, I want to, I want other people to experience what you're experiencing so that other people can be better at being with <laughs> others. So I know it's a long winded way of saying like, how can people learn more? Effectively, instead of like going to, mm. you know, dream Dr. Google, you know, where's a good place for people to start with this introspection and finding some value, not value, how would I put it? Finding something in their dreams that they can make better use of. It's it's a hard question because I think it is territory that might be that might feel so far away or um but thank you for that reflection um i think maybe a place to start other than just putting a pad of paper and a pencil next to your bed if there are any dreams that you remember um because we do tend to have like at least one even people who say they don't remember their dreams or they don't remember anything, if you press, like they tend to have like at least one or two tidbits that they remember from some point in their life. It could be something that's scary and that they, you know, I think that's why some people don't turn to dreams because they're just kind of freaked out by them, which is totally understandable. But at the same time, I just want to stress the worthwhileness of like, even if it's like there, it's a part of you. Yeah. Maybe the most important part of you that's trying, it's trying to reach you. 
there's, I was just reading this really cool paper on, um, like the, the meaning of dreams in ancient Mesopotamia call. It was, it was like gods as dreams and dreams as gods in ancient Mesopotamia. The paper basically ends like when a man forgets his dreams, that means his personal God is angry with him. May that not happen to you, <laughs> which feels like a, cause I, cause so many people don't remember their, I don't know. It just feel, felt like a really powerful yeah. statement, but also no judge, no, if you, you know, sure, people don't, yeah, like, yeah. there's no judgment on that, right. but it just, it's, it's felt like something from so long ago that speaks to now in just, it's important. It's important to try. And I think if you, if you approach it with respect and curiosity, um, or even, and even just, I don't, I, I, something will happen. Yeah. I mean, it, at the very least, you know, you invest, you know, people watch the news and they're not going to do anything about the news. Not like they're going to change something in Haiti or, you know, people watch television shows. It's not like a fictional show is going to change you somehow necessarily. I mean, it's like they can. Right, but like the investment that we're willing to put into things that are not immediately happening. Like this thing, this dream happened in your brain. Yeah. And came... Yep. You know, you think of your brain as somehow outside of the laws of physics. You know, like that somehow like what's going on in your brain, your soul, your personality, all these things exist outside of, you know, uh, the same principles that like make hammers fall and make you know apples taste good it's all in the same soup of shit but somehow while you're sleeping while you're meant to be doing nothing amazing you get this download of shit that comes from you yeah it is so just even if you just give it the slightest sense of wonder ever in your life it's such a sweet gift but that you've been writing yours down and being present with them for so long to me is like it's inspirational for sure, but it's also something that I think um, many people could benefit from because it's another way to check yourself and make sure, am I an asshole? You know, am I good? Is it, is there, am I missing something? You know, does, God, does my uncle know I care? You know, like all those things, you know, whatever it is. So I, I, I'm glad that you have this and I kind of want, I'm not going to put you totally on the spot right now, but I think we've talked a little bit about this, like, creating a thing where, where people share this and, and, and do a little exploration. So yeah, maybe we can talk about that off mic. So you're not on, you're not committing to something, but I'm happy. To, I'm, I, any way to, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so, I just love them so much and it's yeah. just, so, it's so important to me. Yeah. And I do realize, I think there are times when I think that's part of it, like not having someone to share it with or, or an environment where you feel comfortable to do right. so. That is part of, that's part of the problem. All right. And, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I won't take up too much of, of your time, but I, I know that like what you said earlier about not judging yourself for stuff that you dreamed. Yeah. You know, and like you've got a di- like a nut whole other side of your creative self that you're willing to pass, not pass judgment on. Sharing these dreams with people if everybody could feel that sense of like, well, I mean, I just dreamed it. 
You know, it's not like I actually want to sleep with my first grade teacher or whatever crazy right, thing is going on in your head. Right. It's like I just dreamed it. It just happened. Right. I, I love that um, the idea of forgiveness for what comes out of your brain. Yes. I want to translate some of that into my waking life. I could use a Definitely. little, you know, little forgiveness and a little acceptance of what I'm doing. So Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I got some ideas. Cool. Well, well thank, thank you. Alexis. Thank you. <laughs>
Thank you. 